So obviously we are in, um, we're still in, in our signs series, uh, signs of the sun. Uh, we're, we're looking at um, John, uh, the, the gospel of John, and, and we are looking at how these signs, the seven miracles that, 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 that Jesus performed um, in John that John wrote down, because remember, it says that he performed a whole bunch more. But these are seven that, that he wrote down, um, and there was an intended purpose for that. If you have a Bible turn, let's do a little bit of recap. Uh, John chapter 20. Uh, in John chapter 20, verse 30, it, it gives us the whole reason why uh, John wrote these things down. It says here, <clears throat> Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So there's, there's other gospels, there's other accounts of, of the signs and miracles in which Jesus did. He says, though, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So he's very clear, like, okay, there's a reason why I'm, I'm communicating this to you. And it's because I want you and you need to believe because you don't want to be wrong, right? Or you need, if you live like there's no God, you better, you better be right, like, like Rich said. But here it says that I'm writing these so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and, I love that, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There's no other life, and when we're talking about life, this is eternal life, there's no other eternal life in any other name other than Jesus. And I think we talked about that a little bit last week about the, the different views when it comes to philosophy and all this other stuff that uh, there's a postmodern view and the, 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 the pluralistic view, the pluralism or whatever, and the, the skeptical view. I love the, the skeptical view. Remember that one? Is a skeptic skeptical of skepticism? Are we live? Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of different views in which people have and, and they think, well, you know, God's just on the top of the mountain, but there's many paths to get to him. Can anybody tell me what's wrong with that? There's only one way, there's only one way right? The Bible, the Bible says there's only one way. Jesus says, and as we go into uh, the, the weeks to come, as we go through the I am statements in John, that's the next series, um, as we go through the I am statements, Jesus makes the, 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 the clear statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I, I think that we need to understand that, that as we're looking at these funny signs, we can have fun. The whole purpose here is to reveal God's glory. Because I've said it before, and you guys, I think by now you're, 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 you're thinking, okay, quit kicking the dead horse, but we need to revive this horse. And the horse is that we have lost the majesty of God in our lives. Not that it has gone anywhere, it's our recognition of God's majesty. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to reclaim the majesty or the glory, I think that's a good word as well, the glory of God among his people, because here's the deal. Sometimes, and I mean, maybe you've had the same encounter that I've had. I've, I had this encounter, I mean, at the fair this, this, this week. Anybody go to the fair? I know Marlon didn't. He told me he ain't ever going to a fair again. I've said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know. He was kind of complaining, but I was just listening, being a good ear. I mean, but no, you, you have this the, 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 these interactions with people, as soon as they find out that you're going to church or you're a Christian, or for me, like when they find out you're a pastor, their whole demeanor changes and everything. Kurt talked about it a few weeks ago as well. But I think that outside of God's people, there's more glory, more majesty ascribed to God than inside sometimes. And what we need to do is we need to reclaim God's majesty amongst us. 
Because if we don't reclaim God's majesty, what's going to happen is just going to fade away and it's going to slip through the crack. And remember, it's not as if God isn't all-powerful, but God has chosen to use jacked-up individuals like us to proclaim his glory. And if we're not proclaiming his glory, then who is? Who is? And I think that what we need to do is we need to look at um, these things, and I'm going to say just things, these signs um, here in, in John and understand that John had a purpose here. His whole purpose is so that you may know that, that, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and that by knowing and by believing he's the Son of God, that you may have life. No, no one wants to uh, answer or, or face the fact that, you know, everybody at one point in time is going to come to the end. It's, it's just a, it's a fact of life. But when we come to the end of our lives, if we understand the promises of God and what he has promised and what he set forth for us, we do not have to face the end as if it's the end of um, this, this uh, 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 special time or the end of the party. But it's actually the beginning. It's the beginning of a time that we're going to spend eternity with our Savior. So I, I think it's important as we, we look at this that, that if we're going to claim these promises of God, and if we're going to say that I'm a, I'm a Christian, it's even more important to, to, to view God in, in, in where he's at and where he sits and what he does. And we, we can know more about God by the attributes in which have been identified about him. So that's what we've been doing is we've been identifying different attributes. We talked about um, his goodness uh, last week. Um, uh, we, we talked about what? I know I, I, you guys were so ingrained last week, right? Truth, all right? This, this week's going to be, um, we're going to build upon that a little bit. I'm not going to reveal it. I want to you, leave you guys in suspense as you do me. But what I want us to do is we're going to look at John chapter 5. Uh, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. And as we look at that, we're going to see a story um, about, and I say a story, I'm not saying a, 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 a Aesop's fable or a fairy tale. We're going to see a, a, a narrative about an event that took place that John sought necessary to write down to reveal uh, an attribute of God and to, to reveal uh, Jesus' uh, uh, glory, his, 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 his sonship of, of God. So, are we there? Yeah? Has, has anybody, like, did anybody, like, eat too much at the fair this week? I ate too much, yeah. Man, last night my wife twisted my arm and we had to have an apple dumpling. Oh, man. I've been praying for her. But, no, that's all right. John chapter 5. Let's do this. Let me, uh, let, let's read through the text and I want to identify... Um, Let's read the text as it is, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about uh, the attribute, because I think there's, there's a lot inside this text that um, we need to talk about, which is interesting. I was talking with the, the elders earlier, and I was telling them, like, I have a, a few concerns, but it's all right, we'll, we'll make it through it. <sighs> after this, so this is verse, verse 1 of chapter 5, and it says, after this, what we, after what? Well, we just saw that if you turn the page just a little bit, we saw that, that Jesus just uh, healed the official son. And it says after this. How much long after this? I don't know. Um, it had to be sometime because it says, it's going to say here that they're going to Jerusalem. Uh, where was the, the last uh, miracle that, that Jesus did? Where was that? Where did that take place? 
come on, people, you guys are letting me down because they, like, we, we, we've got to pay attention, right? We, we all want to grow, right? I, 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 right? Yes, yes. Just look at your neighbor. Don't say anything. Just look at him, stare at him. So you can't, you can't look at somebody without laughing, right? You don't have a neighbor? You're going to start singing Mr. Rogers? Won't you be my neighbor? After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, which is kind of crazy because they're in Cana, which is geographically north of Jerusalem. So how did they go up? Well, they went up in elevation. Anytime you go up to Jerusalem, or go to Jerusalem, you're going up because you're going up in elevation. It says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. Some of your translations say, might say porches. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Hold on a second. So to, to, to kind of set the stage here and to, to get your, your, your mind thinking um, and your, your sanctified imagination here. So th- this sheep gate, we know from the, the, the book of Nehemiah, uh, you know, roughly where this is at. This is on the north side of the, um, of the city of Jerusalem. So it'd be just outside of, of the city, but just, out on the, just on the outside of where the temple would sit. And here, when it says that there's five roofed colonnades, we don't use that word colonnades anymore. Just think of five roofed porches held up by columns. And it says that there, were, uh, there was a pool there. Um, archaeologists have actually discovered these pools. There's actually two pools there. And, and this can be dated back to this exact uh, um, narrative right here, which I always thought was cool. So you, you history guys are kind of like geeking. But it says that in these, in this, these areas here, they lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And then the sick man said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Yours doesn't say that? No, the, the sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. All right, I'm going to address the elephant in the room before we uh, go any further here, all right? Elephant in the room. Anybody know what the elephant in the room is right now? You. <laughs> Me. <laughs> man, oh man. I don't know what to do with that. It's your dad. It's my dad, I know. He <laughs> hurt me deep. Elephant in the room is, where in the heck is verse 4? <gasps> Some of you are like, wait a second, I didn't even see that. I, I know because you were just so intense in what we were doing, right? Where in the world is verse 4? Okay, so m- maybe this wasn't a, a, as big as a problem as, as I was thinking it was, but now that I've addressed it or I, I've said something about it, there's no verse 4. Why is that? Well, See, I, I can hear you all, you all are talking now. I, you're like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So that's OMG. That's the proper use of OMG, right? Oh my goodness. My wife is, is up here. She's going to continue on and just keep on talking like, like it's all right. I, I don't need to talk, so we'll just let her come up here and talk. I know who you're talking to. Thank you, dear. No. No, it, it's been a weird week for us, though. 
she hasn't been talking to me. Now she wants to talk all the time. I know, Craig River. All right. I'm stalling a little bit because I'm, I'm actually letting people like contemplate. Why isn't there, why is there not a, a verse four here? Some of you that like my, my, my dad or Miss Stephanie has a, the, the KJV and it's in there, right? It's in there. Right. Okay. Miss Stephanie, it said it very loud and proud. That's good. Okay. So he, here's the deal. Why is it not in the ESV in which we use, uh, or I should say we use, but in the ESV or the uh, um, more modern translations? Now, please hear me on this. Verses, the, the verse annotation, so the, so the number of the verses of each verse, did not come around until the printing press. Anybody know what, when or about the printing press was invented? Ask Marlon. Ask Marlon. <laughs> well, <laughs> I am so glad that you are not, you're just not picking on me. Dad is an equal opportunity heckler. 1500s, okay? 1500s. When the printing press came around, that's when the, the verse annotations came about. Uh, and, and that was for references, so you could find the verses in which, we're, we're, which are, uh, you know, people are talking to. You say, go to verse blah, 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 right? Well, what we have to understand, and, and this is where some are going to start to push back, is that verse 4, it was annotated um, in, in the 1500s, and, and the manuscripts that were used by like the, the, the older translations, not just the King James, but the older translations, we're understanding the King James was translated in 1611, um, the older translations had this, uh, had this verse in it. But since 1611, which is how long? A long time, right? 400, right? Long time. A lot has changed. Not saying, now here, do not hear me and do not say, well, the preacher's saying the word of God has changed. I'm not saying that. A lot has changed in, in, in technology. A lot has changed in archaeology. A lot has changed in a lot of ologies, okay? Now, what we have to understand is that the, the, the manuscripts that we have now predate those manuscripts that were used for the translation of the, the older text, primarily the King James. So we have manuscripts now that predate that. And in those predated manuscripts, verse 4 is not there. Verse 4 does not show up until the 5th century. Now, some of you are like, well, wait a second. We, how, are, how are people adding stuff to the Bible here? Well, what we have to understand is in verse 7 here, it talks about a stirring. So it, it, when scribes would be translating the Bible, they would come across this, this stirring, and they felt the need to explain or put into context that stirring. That stirring is something that is not even supported in the Bible. It is, it, it is a superstition. It was a, tra a traditional superstition of the Jewish people during that time. Now, now I'm not saying here that, that uh, all of your theology and everything, now you got to throw everything out the window, because this really has no bearing on any of the major doctrines of any of other scripture. What this is doing is it's giving us a contextual understanding of what the people were thinking during that day. 
And I loved that, that, that process because just because they were thinking about it didn't make it happen or didn't make it true. This was a superstition, like I said, is, that is not supported anywhere else in the Bible. So fast forward to about the, around the, the, the 5th century when the, the, the Bible is being translated, people are kind of getting confused because they're, they're more um, distant and disconnected from the earlier traditions, uh, the earlier Jewish traditions. And now they kind of need to be, uh, you know, think about, well, well, wait a minute, what's this stirring? That is when a scribe took it upon themselves to add this in. So now I hope that, that we don't see, well, what else is added to the Bible now? You know, there is nothing that is added or taken away from Scripture that takes away from the truth in which God has for us. All of what we have are translations of God's Word. If it, is it the KJV? Is it the ESV? Is it the NASB? Is it the OPP? Is it the BIG? I mean, I don't know. We have translations here. So please, I, I, I couldn't go past this without addressing this. But what we have to understand, what we have to understand is that God's word is still God's word. And it, it is clear, he says, it will not return void. And we understand that God's word is made manifest in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So don't get hung up here. I would encourage everyone, if you want to, go home and Google it later. See if I'm just being crazy. You're going to find that I'm not. Well, <laughs> I am crazy, but not on this, right? But you're going to, you're going to see that the, 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 the truth is that through the translations, this is where we have a, a little bit of a hiccup here. But don't let that stand in the way of, of what it is that we're going to talk about today because I, I, I believe that it doesn't have really any, well, I shouldn't say any, but it doesn't have much bearing on what it is that the, the, the message which is being communicated here in this text. All right. Are we good? It, it, it's, it, it's different, it, it, but it, it's, it, it's a point. And sometimes we have to understand that, that when we um, are, are diving into, we're, we're diving into Scripture, there's a lot more in Scripture that needs to be read than is just right here. And this is why it's important, we talked about it in the, the ladies' class this morning, why it's important to study Scripture not just do a, a cursory overview. Like, I mean, because y'all failed today, right? Not all of you, most of you. When I said, where's four? You're like, what do you mean there's no four? It, you just read right past it. Because we weren't, we're not looking for those things. Sometimes we need to step back a little bit and just look into, okay, what it is, what, what, what's going on here? And what's the context? And all of the, the, the variables into that. All right, enough of, of, of Professor Lee here. Let's go. Are we ready? Verse 5, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? I love this because Jesus sees this guy amongst a, a, a myriad of other people there. But Jesus singles him out. And when Jesus singles him out, he looks at him and says, do you want to be healed? It, it sounds like a crazy question, doesn't it? Anybody think it's a crazy question? It's like, do you want ice cream? Well, duh. It's even further than that. It's like, he, said it, he cannot walk. He's lame. And Jesus looks at, hey, do you want to be healed? What is his response? 
I can't do it. It's because of everybody around me. I, I mean, I try my best, but when the water stirred, I just can't get down there. Because, see, you, you know, you don't see it, but Bob was there the other day, and, you know, I, I don't know where he's at anymore. I think he rolled down there. But I just can't get there. I mean, how, I know, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But, but how many times, if, if Jesus were to ask you, do you want to be healed? And, and really, what, what he's asking is, do you want to be healthy? Not, I mean, is this, is this physically he's talking about? Absolutely. But I, this is also spiritually. This is emotionally. This is mentally. Everybody can, can answer that question like, yeah, I, I want to be healthy. But how do we respond sometimes? But, I, but, but, you know, I mean, you can fill it in with anything you want. It's the, the but, 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 but I can't. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, I think that, that a lot of times what we do is we just blame shift. Dude's not taking the responsibility. I can't do it because everybody else goes down before me. He kind of has a chip on his shoulder. But Jesus didn't say, do you want me to help you down there to, to be healed or to be healthy? He just flat out says, do you want to you be healthy? Do you want to be whole? When he says, no, I can't get down there. Well, Jesus is like, I, I love this because dude's complaining and Jesus is like, get up. Anybody else have that, that, that imagery? I know that everybody has the flowing hair, Brad Pitt Jesus in their mind. Oh, my son, get up and give me a hug. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I see Jesus, he, he's there, and he's like, okay, I asked him, right. get up. J- just, just get up. Some people are like, well, wait a second. No, the, his, his condition was way more complex than that. So there, there had to be some other things that are going on that, 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 that John didn't tell us about here in the text. No. He was unhealthy, and Jesus says, get up. He restored him. End of story, right? How, how, how many times, how many times do, do, do you or do I, do we have a, a situation that is, it is really real, really real. It's kind of like the other day, at the, what was it at the, the, the fair? It's the new, new. The, she, she, uh, Haley was talking about the new, new something. Like, it's not just new. If you add another new to it, it's makes it even more important, right? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So the really real question here that, 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 that is being asked or, or the, the, the understanding here when, when, when Jesus says for him, okay, get up, is there, there's nothing attached. How many times do we have these complex situations in our minds that is, is around that we're, or, or um, circumstances that we're dealing with? We're like, well, it's so complex. I need a complex answer to, to solve this complex issue, right? Nobody in here has that, that, that thought, right? I, I, I've jacked up at work, or I jacked up my kids, or I jacked up my marriage, or I jacked up whatever. They need to, is there a song, a country song called All Jacked Up? There should be, right? Lost my dog and I'm all jacked up, right? But we get this, this mindset that everything is so very complex in the situation. There's so many different variables. So it has to be, the answer has to be just as complex. 
When the reality is, it, no, it doesn't. It's the, we just got to listen to what Jesus says. Yeah, I'm sure that there was a lot that, that went into this guy and how he was lame and everything. But, but Jesus just says, okay, get up. No, no, no strings attached. Jesus said, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. It goes on to the next paragraph here, but I think this should be in that paragraph, but that's just my own thought. Now, that day was the Sabbath. This is important because we're going to see that some people didn't like that. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, well, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. So, so right, right off the bat, there were some people that when this man was healed, they weren't like, oh my goodness, you're healed. How awesome is that? They were like, I can't believe that you're carrying your bed. It's the Sabbath. I know you're walking now and you haven't walked for 38 years, but you're breaking the law. No, you don't know anybody like that, right? When God does an amazing work in somebody's life, because no one in here has ever done that either, right? When God's done an amazing work in someone's life, everybody on the outside, not everybody, but some people on the outside are like, well, yeah, but it was just because blah, blah, blah. And they just try to cast negativeness or negative, negativeness? Negative, neg negativity. I almost said nativity. <laughs> negativity on the situation here, just like these Jews were doing here. And when it says the Jews, it was the religious leaders. It says here, when he answered him, well, the guy who told me to, to get up, he's the guy that, that I was listening to. And they asked him, well, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place because of the feast going on. And afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing, nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things, God forbid you were healing people, doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Go on to verse 18, because I think this goes in with this whole, this whole understanding here. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Not only was he doing it on the, the Sabbath, it says, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. When somebody says, well, you know what? Jesus really never said that he was God. This is a perfect example of him saying, I'm God. I'm making myself equal with God. He is my father. And, and, and some, some people will, will look on, on, on our understanding of, of father-son relationship. I am the son of my father, duh, right? We're, but we're two separate. We have our own identities and our own attributes and, and everything. But we have to understand that is this familial language that is being used here. It, 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 Jesus is saying, I am the same substance as the Father. 
Some of you are like, okay, that doesn't make any much sense. That was the, the big contention early on in the early church because when people were trying to explain the Trinity, they were trying to explain the Trinity like an egg. Like you got the shell and you got the, 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 the white yolk and then you got, or the white of the egg, then you got the yolk and that's how the, the Trinity is. But no, those are all separate pieces. That gets into modalism, you know, different modes of God. And then some will be like, well, it's like ice and water and steam. No, 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 no. That is not a good way to, to explain the Trinity. Jesus here is saying, I am the same substance as the Father. He is equating himself with Yahweh Elohim here. Very clear statement here. But let's look back at what he says. Because when, when Jesus um, uh, encounters the guy, it says he encounters him in the temple. Uh, if you don't, if you didn't pick up on that, which most probably wouldn't, this is probably, I'm going to go out on a limb. This is my own speculation here. This is probably the first time he ever stepped foot inside the temple. And the reason I say that, because the temple was a place where invalids, lame people, blind people, people with um, skin diseases, they, they weren't allowed inside the temple because they were considered unclean. But this is the time he, he, he encounters Jesus inside this temple, and Jesus says to him, see, you are well. Now, I say that kind of calmly, but there is an exclamation point there. He's like, see, you're well. But remember, I just told you to get up, and now you're, you're walking here, you're well. But he doesn't just say, see, you're well. This is the, 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 the interesting point here. It says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. This is another area that is, is hard for some people because they're like, well, wait a second. So um, every ailment is caused by sin. Is that what you're telling me? No, 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 no. That's not what's being said here. If you stub your toe, or I'm going to pick on Gabe because it was awesome. Um, Gabe, he lost his toenail on like his middle toe, ripped it completely off. Yeah, oh, he was crying. I took an alcohol swab and cleaned it out real nice and good. It was, they didn't want it to get infected. I did. Uh, but here, here's why. No, everybody's like, so, oh, it's so pitiful for Gabe. Yeah, but do you know why he lost his, his, his toenail? Because he was throwing a tantrum and he kicked a metal door. Oh, yeah, the story changes a little bit now, right? Now you're not like, oh, you're like that dumb kid. I, right? I, he's his grandfather's child, right? It'll come back sooner or later, right? But so now we, we can look at that. Now, is his illness caused by sin in that case? Absolutely. Absolutely. But not every not every illness is a cause of sin. I mean, we could go to the extent, too. Like, if, if you were to go and get snot-faced drunk and wrap your car around a tree, and you broke your arm and broke your leg and broke your, and had a toenail tore off or whatever, would the cause of that, those ailments, be a result of sin? Yeah, absolutely, because you did were stupid, Right? But not every, everybody that, that is in the hospital with, with, with cancer or, or, or a disease or anything doesn't mean that automatically, well, there must be sin in their life. And, you know, if they didn't have sin, they wouldn't have that ailment. No, that's not what is being taught here. Sometimes you, 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 you're, you're, you get sick because you didn't wash your hands after you went to the preschool, right? 
and the kids shared the germs with you. That's not a sin. But under, so this is not, that Jesus is not saying that every sin or every ailment is a cause of sin. But what he is saying here, and I think we can grab this from this text, is, hey, you've been healed. Now go, don't, don't sin anymore that something worse may happen to you. I think that, and this is where we're going to get into the attribute here, because what we have seen, the attribute we have seen that Jesus displays is mercy. Mercy. And in Christ's mercy, in God's mercy, what we see is he comes into this situation. There was nothing about this individual that made him special. But in God's mercy, in this, this guy who was in this state, he said, get up. You want to be healed? I can't. Get up. Boom, he's healed. But when he finds this guy, he, he, he makes this statement, okay, you know, see your wealth, go and sin no more, nothing worse may happen to you. Not only has he given him mercy, he's given him a warning. And I, I, I believe that as we're... we're we're looking at this, we can see that this, this picture that all too often we don't like. We want God's mercy, but God's warnings, eh, I'll just kind of set those aside. I'll, I'll take when, when God is merciful towards me, but if he's going to be like telling me I got to do something, I'm my own person. Some of you are sitting there, okay, yeah, you know, I've, I've done that. Maybe, maybe you're doing that. Stop it, <laughs> right? Understand that, that it, and, and, and I, as we were talking, the elders and I were talking about this this morning, and, and, and uh, uh, I think it was Jake brought up the, about blessings and how, you know, we don't, he, we don't listen to the, 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 the warnings. It kind of draws us away from blessings. I, I believe that. And what I said to, in, in um, in, in conjunction with that is I, I see God's mercies. And the Bible says they're, they're new every day, right? It, it's new, every morning we have, we have God's mercies. But when, when, we get, when, we have, when we get God's mercy on us, it's almost like a reset. And, and the warning is there so he, don't have to, he doesn't have to keep resetting us, right? So that we can grow. Will God, the Bible is very clear, if you uh, confess your sins he, to him, he, he's uh, righteous and just to forgive us all of our sins, right? First John, was it, 1, 9 or something like that, where it says that he will forgive us of our sins if we confess that. Yes, he will be merciful to us. But what we need to understand is those warnings is so that we can live in the blessings. But what we do is we live in the mercies. Well, I'm going to do whatever I want because God's going to forgive me anyways. That's, that's terrible. It's horrible. Because then we're, we're kind of minimizing the majesty of God. Yes, he is a merciful God, and he is a gracious God. Sometimes people will take grace and mercy and put them together, and they're, they're, they're as if they're synonymous. They're, they're not. They, 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 they identify a couple uh, different angles here. Grace is given, uh, or is someone that is given something that they don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace can be given to anyone, but, but normally when we're, when we're looking at mercy, mercy is identifying a, a place of, of, of destitute, of, of need.
I want to read this to you because it would be better if I read it and didn't. Here it is. God recognized our pitiful situation. So remember, in need, destitution. I mean, and when some of you are saying, like, well, I'm not really in a pitiful situation. Mankind is in a pitiful situation. Just look around us. And it all happened because of the fall, what happened in Eden, in the Garden of Eden. And what we need to understand is that something bad happened. And it says here that God recognized our pitiful situation. And he could have responded by telling us that, well, it's your problem. And you should work it out on yourself. You should figure it out. You got yourself into this, but you should figure it out. That's how God could have responded. But he didn't. We have a compassionate God who saw our need and took it, he took it upon himself to give us the solution. Some of you are like, well, I don't need a solution. Okay, turn to, and this will be it here. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Man, the mercy of God, it's a cool thing, but it really doesn't apply to me. I'm, I've got my, my life's pretty good. Well, I'm not trying to be the, the, the naysayer here. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm sorry, Mike. I know that I only told you 4 and 5, but I'm going to start back in verse 1 because I think that it is important to really grab the, the, the context here and the importance of God's mercy here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. When he says in you, he's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. He's saying, y'all were jacked up at one time. You were beyond repair. You were D-E-D. I know it's misspelled here. It says D-E-A-D. But D-E-D, dead. You got it? Thank you. Everybody else is like, wait a second. I know I went to Waterloo, but wait, I think there is an A in there. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So look at verse 3. It says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. No one ever here has ever done that. Carrying out the desires of the body. Again, no one ever has done that. And the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Well, that's just not nice. I'm not trying to be nice. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to read what God's word says here. Because if we don't see the severity and how pitiful that we were and how pitiful humankind is, God's mercy is just, man, it's just another word. Children of wrath like the rest of mankind. <laughs> My favorite two words in all of scripture. But God. But God. God could have just left it the way in which we jacked it up. But Paul writes here and he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Do we deserve it? No, we don't deserve it. But because of God's mercy, we could be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity without Him. 
We can understand that it's only by the, 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 the grace and the mercy of God that we can come together like this. It's only by the grace and the mercy of God that, that, that we can um, uh, 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 have fellowship with one another because there's a lot of y'all in here that don't have anything in common with anybody else. Some of you can't stand to be around anybody else. Don't be looking around. Don't be pointing fingers. Some of you are thinking, I've got it all figured out and I don't need God. <laughs> well, what's that sign say? You better be right. We have one who sits on the throne, and as he sits on the throne, he looks down, and he says, they need me. And what does he do? He steps down off his throne and steps into his creation. Those two words, but God, have so much meaning in them. We see the glory and the majesty that, uh, of the king who sits on high. We see that, that um, it, w without him... We're left wanting. Sometimes we need reminded as Jesus comes up to, to this guy and says, okay, you're well. Don't sin anymore. Let something worse will happen to you. Sometimes we need reminded because what we have is this short attention span or this short memory when God moves in and works in our lives. We're so consumer-oriented, our mind is like, give me, give me, give me, give me. We forget so easy. Don't let us forget the, the great mercy in which our, our God and our Savior gave us, that he has on us. So as you finish out the, 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 the fair this week, just think about that. Just think about, what does this have to do with the fair? And God's great mercy, not only is he saving our souls, He's given us sausage sandwiches and gyros and elephant ears and apple dumplings and, oh, too much food. Does God, has he um, graciously and mercifully given us um, physical things? Absolutely. And we're to enjoy them. But don't let that supersede what he really, truly wants to focus on and what he really, truly cares about. And that's eternity with him. It's your soul. Because we were dead. And we can only be made alive in him.